our Father and our Redeemer, our King and our Lord, our Savior and our Helper, we bless your holy name. We give you praise. We give you all the glory. Receive every year of our thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us individually and collectively as a church. Thank you for your divine presence beginning from the month of January right up to April. Thank you for preserving our souls. Thank you, O oh God, for being a shield over us. Thank you, O oh God, because there is none missing in our midst. Receive our thanks, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Daddy, the hour has come to hear your word. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will release your word unto us. And Lord, that your word will do us good. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I yield myself unto you. I ask, O oh God, that you speak through me. In the name of Jesus. Back your word up. In the name of Jesus. Even as your children sang, O oh God, that there are testimonies everywhere. I ask, O oh God, that in the service of today, let there be testimonies. Amen. Let your children be blessed. Amen. And let the glory return to you. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jehovah. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And amen. God bless you. Please be seated. God bless you, choir. Somebody join me to put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Today we'll be continuing our teaching over the theme of new hope. Thank God for all the past teachers and pastors that have done so much great work. May the Almighty bless them in the mighty name of Jesus. I will be speaking on the sub-theme titled Hope for a new life. Hope for a new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today, by the grace of God, someone will receive a new lease of life. In the mighty name of Jesus. We will take our text by looking into the book of Luke. Let's look into the book of Luke chapter 23. Luke Chapter 23, we'll read verse 36, then we will jump to verse 32, right up to 43. Look into Luke chapter 23. Are we all in Luke? I will read from here, right from verse 26, then I'm going to jump to 32, right up to 43. And as they laid him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Verse 32. 
And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Verse 35. And the people stood beholden, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And the superscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged, read on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Verse 43, let's read it together. One to go. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. The preceding passage we have read concerning the account of the trial and unjust conviction of Jesus and his death at Calvary shows us a very painful and shameful death that Jesus passed through. Painful and shameful death. For he was beaten. The soldiers beat him. They wounded him. And as if that was not enough, even with the beatings and the wounds, they nailed him on the cross at Calvary. Now what about the shame? Insulted him. They mocked at him. Sinners that he came to save mocked at him, made gist of him. And what is even more, they crucified him in the middle of two criminals. The Englishman has a saying that birds of the same feather do what? Flock together. So to fulfill this English saying, so to speak, they put the Redeemer, the righteous one, the best of God, in the middle of two criminals, hanging. Now, the Bible referred to these two criminals as malefactors. This is an old English word. What does it mean? It's a word that means criminals. 
It refers to people who have been tried and have been convicted by the law for criminal offenses they may have convicted. And what did these people do? The Bible tells us that these people were thieves. They were thieves. So they committed the offense of stealing and they were crucified for stealing. But why was Jesus crucified? What was his offense? What was the offense of Jesus to be crucified? There were two basic reasons why Jesus was crucified. Two broad reasons. Number one reason was for the reason of envy. Somebody say envy. Envy. The Bible says in Matthew 27 verse 17 to 18. Matthew 27 verse 17 to 18. Matthew 27, 17 to 18. That Pilate knew that the chief priests and the elders delivered Jesus to be crucified out of pure envy. He knew that they envied him. And I took time to look at the meaning of the word envy. And I discovered that to envy somebody is to dislike a person. Wishing you have the qualities, wishing you have the achievements, or something good that the person has that you do not have. The chief priest realized that Jesus was different. They envied him. He performed miracles, which they could not. He brought the dead back to life, which they could not. He healed, which they could not. He spoke as a man that had authority. He cast out demons, which they could not. So they envied him. And because of this envy, they manufactured allegations against him. My prayer, if, if there be anyone, any man, any woman, that is laboring under the spirit of envy today by reason of the word of the almighty God there shall be a separation in the name of Jesus Amen. a second reason why Jesus was crucified was because Jesus was the lamp of God lamp of God the Bible says in the book of John verse 29 it refers to Jesus as the lamp of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible said the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the lamp of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So the mission and the purpose and the destiny that Jesus was to fulfill was to come to this world and take away sin as a sacrificial lamp of God. You would remember that in the Old Testament, attunement for sin was done through the sacrifice of animals. How many of us remember that? God bless you. It was done through the attunement, using animals as sacrifice. But because of the fall of man, and the desire of God to reconcile man back to him. 
There was no animal that was comparable enough to take away the sin of the world. There was none. So the supreme sacrifice had to be paid by the Messiah, the one that was without sin, the one that was spotless. He had to come to the world and then be offered as a sacrifice to attune for the sin of the world, reconciling man back to God. So that was the reason. Jesus came primarily on earth here in the form of man in order to be sacrificed as the lamp of God. We see, so therefore, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, believers, those who believe in Jesus, those who confess him, regained the glory of God. Because at the fall of man, the glory of God departed from Adam, departed from the first man. But when Jesus came, died on the cross and rose, those who believed him regained this glory. They regain forgiveness from God. They regain mercy from God. Relationship was restored between man and God. And man had a second opportunity for a new life. We had a second opportunity for a new life. Because the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17... That therefore, if any man be in Christ, what is he? He is a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, all things do what? Become new. So he too becomes a new person. He is a new creature and a new person. Different from his old nature. So man had the privilege of becoming a new being. Enjoying a new life in Christ. And for those who died in Christ, they had the new life of gaining the opportunity to make eternity. Because if any man died without Jesus, he died without the opportunity of making heaven. Because the Bible tells me in the book of John, Jesus said, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. If he is the only way, and if a man chooses to take another way, will he get to the destination? No, sir. No. No. So for all that have received Jesus, for everyone that his sins, her sins have been washed away by Jesus and have received him as Lord and Savior, they have a sure opportunity of reigning with God and reigning with Jesus in heaven. But anyone that doesn't, there are no two ways. It doesn't matter what people may say. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to the Father. Now, I find it very, very interesting. While studying the, two, the case of these two criminals... In the course of study, I see paradox. 
about them. Both of them were dying on the cross beside the Messiah. Jesus was in the middle. One was to the right, the other was to the left. One lost the opportunity of salvation. The other gained the opportunity of salvation. All at the same time. And I found that very, very interesting. Why was that so? One was able to make it to heaven. The same hour, the other lost the opportunity. Just like it happens every day. People are here listening to the word. There are some who will believe, there are some who may not believe the word. There are some that may take the opportunity to give their lives. There are some that may reject the opportunity. Two people, first in the same situation, over the same time, under the same punishment, but not all of them made it. One could not make it. And I wondered, why will cause a man miss the opportunity of a new life? When salvation was so close, when the opportunity of heaven was so close, what will cause that? And I found out the following reasons. Number one, unbelief. Unbelief. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that for without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please God. For he that must come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What is the Bible saying there? He says, for any man, any woman to please God, to make God happy, for you to make God happy, you have to have faith. So what is faith here? Faith is trust in God. God cannot be pleased with anyone that doesn't trust in him. You have to trust in God that God exists. That there is God. You remember what the Bible said? He said the fool says what? That there is no God. So people who do not have faith, God calls them fools. He said because only the fool says there is no God. Because the fool does not have faith. The fool does not trust in God. So you need to trust in God. People will miss salvation, miss heaven. Because they are unable to trust God. They are able to put trust on ephemeral things. But are unable to trust God. Many of us inter-aircrafts. How many of us inter-aircrafts here wave your hand to Jesus? Oh, only three people. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you sit in an aircraft and tie the belt, why are you in the aircraft? Because you believe that you arrive at that destination safely. But if by the time you were boarding the flight, the pilot said, ladies and gentlemen, I have engine problems. It's possible that in the next 30 minutes in the air we'll crash land. 
Would you see sit there? You are going to get down. So people put their faith on pilots, aircrafts, but they find it difficult to put their faith in the living God, the King of glory, our creator. You are sitting on the chair. Why are you sitting on that chair? Because you believe the chair will not break. By the time you sat on the chair, if it was cranky, one leg was almost falling off. What will you do? You will get up. At his face, you trust the chair that it can carry your weight. God Almighty can carry your weight. And God wants to carry you. So unbelief, unbelief, we must put our trust that God exists and that he rewards those who seek after him. So without faith, many will miss the new life. We see in the passage we read that many of the dukes took Jesus for a joke. They came and said, you said you are the Messiah. If you are, save yourself. They came to make fun of him. Soldiers came to make fun of him. The first thief made gist of him. The Bible says in verse 36 of that passage, 36 of Luke 23, that the man, even this man, said to Jesus, if you are Jesus, save yourself and save us. He didn't say that in all honesty. He was saying so in mockery, even when he knew that death was certain. No wonder he missed the opportunity of the new life. Now, there was a mystery behind the Calvary that many did not realize. Mystery over the death of Jesus on the Calvary. Satan had instigated men and women to mock Jesus and to challenge him to come down from the course and save himself. But both Satan and these same people, they did not realize that Jesus was seven others by dying on the Calvary. They did not realize this mystery. That the mystery of God was that salvation for mankind will come through the crucifixion of Jesus on Calvary. Just like today, there are still people who have not realized that their salvation has been purchased by Jesus. He has finished the works. The Bible says we are saved by grace, not out of our works. Least any man should boast of it. Are you here this morning? And you believe that you will get eternity because of your good works? Because of the offerings you give? Because of the tithes you pay? Because of your kindness to your neighbor? No. Your salvation has been purchased by Jesus. Why would people miss heaven? The people will miss heaven because of unrighteousness. Sin of unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. The Bible says, 
Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So we see the Bible has listed a category of people that will certainly not inherit the kingdom of God except they repent of their sins. Am I among this category? Are you among this category? The Lord is saying this morning that we should not be deceived. If we belong to this category of people, except we repent of unrighteousness, the kingdom of heaven will be closed to such a fellow. I pray for somebody here this morning that God will translate you from that list into the new life in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 13 years ago, I traveled with a friend to Kiev. Ukraine, which is the capital of the country that is at war today with Russia. In those days, we used to have business relationship with Ukraine. So I took one of my daughters that had medical problems for medical treatment. Now, my friend there was a pastor in Ukraine. He took me to a shop. As we arrived at the shop, he showed me a spot and told me that any time he gets to that spot, he becomes very emotional. So I said, why? He said, one day he was going about preaching, evangelizing, witnessing to people. On this very spot by the tree, he saw a young man and was witnessing to him on salvation. The young man told him that he was still young. He should give him some time to enjoy himself. Then some other time later in life, he can give his life. So as a young man left him, he tried to cross the road. While crossing the road, he did not pay attention to an oncoming car coming. At a great speed, the car knocked the young man down, and he died on that spot. See how he missed the opportunity of salvation. Knocked him down instantly. He died. This first thief had a similar opportunity to receive salvation from Jesus. But he rather mocked him. He wasted the opportunity. Today, if you are here and you are not sure of your salvation, don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste it. You never know whether this opportunity is going to come back again. You never know. You never know. Why would people miss heaven? They will miss heaven because they are children of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 to 7. The Bible refers to a category of people that disobey God. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, 
Let it not be once named among you as becometh sins. The next verse. Neither filthiness, no foolish talking, no gisting, which are not convenient, but rather given of thanks. For this ye know that no warmonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So there are a category of people again. The Bible says in verse 6 there, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Verse 7. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Today it has become fashionable for people to speak with very obscene language, to use vulgar language, even among Christians. You see them use vulgar language. And the Bible says these are categories of people that will never inherit the kingdom of God. How is your speech? Is it seasoned with salt? Do you belong to this class? You must make your mind up that you will not belong to this because this category of people will never see the kingdom of God. Now, how about the second thief? Very interesting episode with the man. The Bible says in Luke 23, 39 to 42, it says this first thief insulted and mocked Jesus on the cross. But the second thief did what? He rebuked him. He rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? He admitted the punishment that was being given to the two of them was just because they committed the offenses that they had been accused of. While at the same time he confessed that Jesus did not commit the offense for which he was punished. And he did something remarkably. He cried unto Jesus to remember him when he comes to his kingdom. There are many lessons from the character, the speech, and the action of this second thief. Number one is that the man had the fear of God. Even though he is a criminal, even though he had been convicted, even though he had committed the sin of stealing, he still had the fear of God in him. He rebuked the other man and said, don't you have the fear of God? He had the fear of God. So the lesson is, it is possible to have the fear of God and still fall into the arrow of sin. We see that with the case of David. David had, King David had the fear of God, was filled with the anointing and the power of God. But what happened when he saw Uriah's wife? He committed adultery with her. Not only did he commit adultery, he arranged for the killing of her husband, King David. But just like this second thief, King David came to God and sought for forgiveness. And God forgave him. Now, the fear of God in the life of this second thief worked in six different ways. Number one, it restrained him. It served as a restraint. It restrained him from joining others to mock Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that the fear of God is a restraint. 
Anyone that has the fear of God, it restrains them from committing sins. It restrains them from doing evil. We see the example in Joseph. When Potiphar's wife wanted to commit adultery with Joseph, Joseph said, no. How can I do this great sin against God? Why? Because he had the fear of God. I pray for somebody here today that God will instill his fear in your heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. A second thing that the fear of God did in the life of this man is that it brought him back to his senses to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. He acknowledged the lordship of Jesus. In verse 42, he referred to Jesus as Lord. He said, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Remember me, Lord. He acknowledged him as Lord. The Bible said, as many that call upon the name of Jesus shall what? Shall be saved. He acknowledged him and called on him to save him. Another thing the restaurant did to him was that it brought him to the loving hands of God's mercy. The fear of God brings a man, a woman into the loving hands of God's mercy and of God's grace. What does it also do? It delivered him from the condemnation that is in hell. Hell is a condemned place. Anyone that goes to hell, it's already condemned. The fear of God delivered this man from what he would have faced in hell. But what about the first thief? He had no fear of God. So he could mock at God. No wonder. He died without receiving deliverance from this condemnation. Do you have the fear of God? My sister, do you have the fear of God in your life? If you do, how is it manifested? Does it bring deliverance to you? And then lastly, we see what the fear of God did in the life of this man. It enabled him to pray the prayer of repentance. The man believed in life after death. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It shows clearly that he believed that there was life after death. Today there are people who tell you that when he, they die, there is no life after death. That is not true. There is life after death. And in this life after death, there are only two destinations. The destination of hell and the destination of heaven. There are consequences when a man dies without repentance. Such a man may not have the opportunity of making it to heaven. Another consequence of the fear of God in the life of this second thief was that we see that he had a humble heart. He had a humble heart. Whereas the first thief was proud, arrogant, and insolent. He was proud, arrogant, and insolent to the Messiah. But this man had what? A very humble heart. Pride is a deadly virus. Very deadly. More deadly than the coronavirus. 
more deadly than cancer. Pride is very deadly. It can deny a man or a woman heaven. Corona cannot deny a person heaven. Cancer cannot deny a person heaven. But pride can deny a man that. No wonder the Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 verse 6. James 4 verse 6. James 4 verse 6. It says that God resisted the proud. But giveth grace unto the humble. God resisted the proud. Even at the cross, the grace and the mercy of God resisted the proud, unrepentant thief. The mercy of God resisted him. And we see in the case of the humble sinner, the mercy of God was released unto him. The mercy of God was gifted to him. Are you here this morning? And pride has been blocking you from coming to Jesus. Pride blocked this man from getting salvation. Salvation was so close, so near. He knew he was dying. He knew he was dying. And yet pride said, reject the offer of salvation. While humility appealed to the other thief that this is your last chance. Take it. And he took it. So if you are here this morning, my brother, my sister, and pride has been working against you in life, has caused God to resist you. You make progress, God resists you. If God resists a man, that man cannot make progress in life. No man can make progress if God is the one resisting him. And we see clearly in the Bible God saying that he resists the proud but gives grace. Grace is favor. He says he gives favor to the humble. 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 He gives favor. Why won't you accept the favor of God? So where are you today with God? Where are you? Where am I? Where are we today with God? Has pride put a stumbling block to you receiving the Messiah? There is opportunity for a new life. There's opportunity. Jesus says, as many that receive him Gave he the power to become sons of God. When you receive Jesus, you get a new identity. You become a son of God. You become a member to his kingdom. Would you choose to be a member in the kingdom of God? Or wouldn't you? All heads bowed. All eyes closed. Any man, every man knows where he is with God. Where are you today with God? Are you still in sin? In your heart, you know very well 
that if God were to call you today, you may not make it to his kingdom. You know it very well that you need Jesus, but pride has not allowed you to accept his offer. You are yet to have the humble heart to say, Lord, I, I come to you. If you're here this morning and you belong to that category, just raise your hand. Don't allow pride to restrain you. That man lost the opportunity of making it to heaven. Don't lose this opportunity, my friend. You are here, you have not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior. There is hope for you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my friend there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Any more hands? Any more hands? Any more hands before we pray? Any more hands? Please come front. Those of you that raise your hand, come, my brother. Come, come, come. Come, 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 my brother. Come. Come, come, come. 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 Come, come, come. 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 Jesus wants to save you. He wants to release favor to you. He wants to release grace to you. It takes a humble person to come before the presence of God and say, Lord, I am a sinner. It takes a humble man. It takes a man without pride. Let pride not stop you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stretch our hands to these, our beloved brothers that are here before the presence of God. Thank God for the heart of humility he has given them. Say, Father, I thank you for the humble hearts you've given your sons to come before you and acknowledge that they have sinned. Thank you for the humility, oh God. It takes a humble heart. It takes a humble heart. It takes a humble heart. God loves people with humble hearts. Thank God on their behalf. Say, Father, I just want to thank you. And for you that are in front, you say this prayer after me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I come before you. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And I cannot help myself. Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with the blood of your son Jesus. Cleanse all my sins, O oh God. From today, come into my life. Be my God. Be my Lord. I surrender to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, it is written that whosoever shall come unto you, you will in no doubt cast away. Thank you for the humility you have given these your sons to come before you and kneel before your altar of grace, to kneel before your altar of mercy, crying, O oh God, that you have mercy on them. Father, as a church, we receive them on your behalf. Daddy, receive them in the name of Jesus. Forgive every and all their sins in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the blood of your son Jesus that he shed on Calvary in order to redeem and reconcile us with you. Let the blood wash them, O God, in the name of Jesus. Beginning from now, Jehovah God, even as they have invited you into their lives, Daddy, please rule over their lives in the name of Jesus. 
The Bible says you give it grace to the humble. Because these ones have humbled themselves before you. Lord God Almighty, I ask that you release grace upon them. Release favor in the mighty name of Jesus. That whether your people say amen or not, release favor upon them. In the name of Jesus, let them find favor with you. Let them find favor with men. In the name of Jesus. Beginning from today, oh God, let them walk in favor. In the mighty name of Jesus. Write their names in the book of life, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father and our God. Blessed be your name. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And amen. God bless you, my brothers. God bless you. You follow this brother very briefly. Very briefly. And then you will join us back. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Shall we all stand, please? The Bible said the second thief cried to God for mercy. And there is a passage in the Bible I like so much, Psalms 34, verse 6, media. Psalms 34, verse 6. Psalms 34, verse 6. David gives an account there. Shall we read that together? I want to go. This poor man cried. And the Lord had him and saved him out of all his troubles. How many of his troubles did God save him? How many? What does all mean? Every trouble. Every trouble. But the Bible says he cried. He cried and cried to who? He cried to the Lord. And the Bible said God had him. God had him. I don't know what has been the troubles you have had to contend with. But there is the testimony of David. He said the poor man cried. He cried because there was no helper for him. He cried because he could not help himself. Are you here and you cannot help yourself over any situations? In the morning, my sister preached about hope in hopeless situation. That was the position of this poor man. None could help him. He had to go to the Lord in prayer. He cried. God had him. If he had cried to the governors and the president, they may not have had him because he was poor. How many people today can cry to our governments for help and our government will hear them? Are there? No. But our God is still hearing the cry of the poor, the cry of the helpless. Our God still has ears to hear them. He has ears to hear you. He has ears to hear me. If I cry, the governor of Lagos may never hear me. Because there are people more important and their voices are more important when they cry. But our God still hears us. Are you willing to cry? Are there things you need this God to save you from? For the next five, ten seconds, you will cry to God over your troubles. You say, Father, Father. remember me. Remember. remember my troubles. 
deliver me from all my troubles, oh God. Every of my troubles, oh God. Lord, as you deliver the poor man, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me from all my troubles, oh God. The troubles of my family. Father, deliver me, oh God. Father, deliver my family. Deliver my family, oh God. You that had the poor man, oh God. Lord God Almighty, deliver me. Deliver me from every trouble, oh God. Troubles I cannot help myself, oh God. Lord, deliver me. Deliver me. Let your ears hear me, oh God. Be attentive, oh God. Be attentive to my troubles, oh God. That is saving me. Save me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver my children, oh God. Deliver my husband, oh God. Deliver my wife, oh God. Deliver my business, oh God. Deliver my marriage, oh God. Father, let there be deliverance today. Deliver me, oh God. From every trouble, oh God. Lord God Almighty, you that deliver, oh God, that deliver me. In the name of Jesus, every form and every shape of trouble, oh God, that deliver me today, oh God. Let my life experience deliverance, oh God. Let my life, oh God, experience your help, oh God. That it deliver me. Deliver me from all trouble. Troubles that are spiritual, that it deliver me. Physical trouble, deliver me. Financial troubles, deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me from sickness. Deliver me from disease, oh God. That it deliver me. Deliver me from ancestral battles, oh God. Every ancestral battles I am fighting, oh God. Daddy, deliver me, oh God. Lord, deliver me, deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, deliver me, oh God. In the name of Jesus, deliver me from my enemies, oh God. They are too strong for me, oh God. Deliver me from strong enemies, oh God. Deliver me, oh God. Deliver me from death, oh God. Deliver me from the spirit of death, oh God. Daddy, deliver me, deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, oh God, deliver me, oh God. Deliver me, O God. Deliver me, O God. Yerebo Santolombo Shandaraba. Mandaribo Sokondoriba Sandaraba. Limpro Kondoribo Shandaraba. Mayekeribo Sotondo Limbrandaraba. Yekeribo Sotondo Limbrandorubo. Mandarabo Shikaba. Lord, deliver me, O God. Deliver me from barrenness, O God. In the name of Jesus. Father, deliver me from poverty, O God. Deliver me, deliver me, deliver me, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, that it deliver my family, O oh God. Deliver my children, O oh God. That it deliver them, deliver them, deliver them. Deliver them from the hands of the evil one, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, Father, deliver my business, O oh God. Deliver my career, O oh God. Deliver, deliver my ministry, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, every of my troubles, O oh God. Troubles that I know. Troubles that I do not know, Father, deliver me. Deliver me, deliver me, O oh God. In the name of Jesus.